In a world where hashtag blessed sets the standard and an algorithm holds the key to visibility, we bring you season three, feeling free to be me. Hey now, hey now, what do you say, Al? How you doing? <laughs> I had Jim Carrey vibes. Oh, I love Jim Carrey. Oh my God, I feel like you remind me of Jim Carrey. Oh, that's such a compliment. <laughs> I love him. God, he is just the best. He's so funny. He's, you know, and he's timeless. Oh, he truly is. He's timeless. Did you watch, um, what was he in, that Sonic the Hedgehog movie? Yeah, yeah. He's so good. He was the perfect villain. It was so villain. good to see him. And then, you know, we watched uh, Mr. Popper's Penguin shortly oh. after, and they're like, Hey, that's the bad guy in the Sonic movie. I'm like, You're yeah. You're like, yeah, also Ace Ventura. Mm-hmm. Like, also Dumb and Dumber. Oh, Dumb and Dumber. I mean, so, so many good ones. So My brother ones. was obsessed with Ace Ventura, like all of his childhood. Alrighty like, then. Yeah, we watched that movie like a thousand times. And now I look back, I'm like, that was very inappropriate. But it was the 90s. <laughs> it, it was, was the 90s. Was what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Speaking of the 90s. Hey, girl. Hey. Millennial children. Millennial we children. Are. We had a guest slash author slash podcaster slash... Dude. She does everything. Uh, Lauren Elman on today, she wrote a book, BRB, a memoir about coming of age in the digital age, where she writes about being a millennial and growing up in this yeah. time where, where the internet was created. You know, one thing I really loved about our conversation hmm. At no point was she like, you should not have social media and it is a beast and it wrecked my mental health. Yes. You in know, fact, she even went so far as to say, Instagram is is not the enemy. It's serving its purpose. Instagram's doing what Instagram was right. designed to do. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a very oh, good yeah. point. Oh, yeah. I know. It's it's interesting. Like, I, the other point. God, she, she actually, like, I had a few light bulb moments. I did, too. Didn't you? Yeah, totally. I know. Where she was talking about just, like, the way that it's evolved. Oh, shoot. You know, just, like, I just lost my thought, Lace. Oh, no worries. No worries. Can you get it back? I don't know. I lost it. Wow. Light bulb moment and then it was gone. Oh, shoot. <laughs> hate when that happens. She was great, though. It was great to talk to her. Mm-hmm. She had a lot of cool things to say. Um, and the and the bottom line really was like knowing you and knowing your personality yeah. and relationship that you have with other people or with social media or with your mental health, your self-awareness. It's, yeah. It's all connected. <sighs> it's all important. Um, it's affecting every age differently. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much that feels like we just sort of take it at face value and we don't really look behind the curtain mm-hmm. as far as how we deal with it with our kids or how we deal with it. You know, just, oh, I know what my light bulb moment was. Oh. I just thought of it. Okay. Just like how our parents didn't have any of the social media stuff. And so we're of that earlier, gener- like the earlier social media generation where there like was no regulation. Right. I remember when... Um, I saw a picture of my group of friends. It was a 4th of July and we had all posed. We were all like so cute in our outfits. And we saw it on used for a Dove ad. Like What? Yeah. Like they had just gone and stolen our picture and like used it in an ad. Like. How weird. Yeah. It was so weird. I know, and I'll mm. never forget, and I had no idea that was, you know, it's like all the things that you learned, we've learned over the last 10, 15 years, um, God, almost 20, 20 years, years. <laughs> <laughs> about social media that yeah. that it still feels like it's a beast that we're getting to know. So her, yeah. her book was, um, it's really lovely, please, like, 
buy it or um, just hit her up, follow her on Instagram, follow her podcast. She's a self-published author, yeah. which is so badass. And so any her process was so cool, her. too. Wasn't that yes. I was listening to her? How she oh read. I was like, gosh. oh, my God, that's so smart. So, yeah, yeah. she's awesome. Here is Lauren Elman. Check her out. You can find her in our tag stuff on Instagram. <laughs> yep. Yep. There will be. All right. Enjoy. Buddy, we are so excited to have a special guest today. Yes, <laughs> welcome back to the Do You Have a Minute podcast with Lacey and Allison. And our guest, Lauren, who is here today <laughs> to talk to us about her new book. Woohoo! It's called BRB, a memoir about coming of age in the digital age. And you can buy it now, right? I mean, it's like it's you self published this yeah. too. Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> and it's out. Yeah, you can buy it anywhere and receive it immediately the pre-orders are done and yeah it's gonna be out forever now (laughs) we we got the pre-order um audiobook and it's been so nice it felt like we really got to know Mm. you listening to your voice which is just cool i also can't imagine that process of having to (laughs) like oh read it yeah that was really cool yeah (laughs) (laughs) really cool okay so tell us a little bit about you for people who are like, who is Lauren Elman? We don't know her. Um, what do they need to know about you first off? Sure. So I'm Lauren Elman. I'm a published author and a podcast host. And my content explores the intersection of mental health and social media use. So I use my own experience with those things and I share them through my content. So my podcast is where I interview influential content creators about the parts of their lives that don't show up online so that we can kind of remember that social media is fake and staged and filtered and that there's a lot more to it than we see in these little boxes on our screen. And I have a lot of fun there on the podcast. And then the book that just came out, I self-published it and it's BRB, a memoir about coming of age in the digital age, like you said. And it's about my experience as a millennial growing up and coming of age with the internet and social media, which is similar to a lot of my audience's experience and how that has impacted our generation's mental health and adult lives and what we can do about it now that we're noticing all the effects it's having. So yeah, that's the book. That's the podcast. And that's me. Otherwise, I'm just a mom. I write. I take care of my kids. And that's about it. And how many kids do you have? I have three kids. I have two stepsons and our, our daughter is three. Yes. <laughs> You're busy. Yeah, you I'm pretty busy. The boys are nine and 12. So I'm busy. Oh gosh. <laughs> Got the boy energy and then the little. Yeah. That's a lot. Okay. Um, And where do you live? I live in South Florida. I grew up in Miami and I live a little north of Miami now. Whoa. So it's nice and warm there, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah it's warm all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're in Seattle. And ah. so it's, yeah, it's been like, I think 66 today was, yeah. was pretty good. That's was, nice. Uh, I actually just planned really a trip warm. to Seattle um, in the summer. I'll be going there in August. What are you going to do? We're traveling to San Francisco and meeting some friends, and then we're driving up through Oregon and landing in Seattle. Oh, Oh, you're going to have fun. Okay, we'll talk after this if you need any, like... Yeah, like restaurants. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Cool. (laughs) All right, so we want to hear more. I mean, you know, in the book, you talk about, obviously, your family, your journey, your mental health. Um, You get very personal and detailed, and then you know, so much about social media and how it's helpful and necessary in some ways, but also 
you know, it's just the blessing and the curse, which I think we all can relate to. Also, what year were you born? I was born in 1990. So I turned 31 just in May. So straight up millennial. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, just like right we're, in the middle. We're on... We're like the geriatric. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? Eighty six. Eighty six. I'm eighty four. Okay. Yeah. So we're like barely. Like we're. I think we barely count, right? You're in there. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. My husband was in was... 1977, and he says sometimes he con- is considered a millennial. I'm like, I don't like, think so, but he's okay. He's like straddling the lines. <laughs> like, what Google, what Google article are you going to read that says right. it? But, like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, either way, it's about remembering a time before there was social media mm-hmm. and then also knowing what it was like after. Um, how old were you when you got social media? Well, I got my space. I want to say that was, like, in – the end of middle school, beginning of high school, so maybe like 13, 14, 15 years old, we were on MySpace, which I have a hard time remembering how we used MySpace. I just remember coding, like getting in the back end and like decorating it and stuff like that. I don't remember like yes. interacting through MySpace. I also had a live journal, which was like a, a website that you would like basically post a diary and like your friends would read it and you would read theirs and comment on each other. So we were doing that in middle in high school. And then at the end of high school, so when I was like 17 was when Facebook was coming out and it was just for college students. So you had to have like mm-hmm. a college email to get it. And so like all of my friends who were like cooler and had like older brothers and sisters and stuff got them and I didn't. So I was like, I don't know. I'm just like not cool enough to have this, I guess. And then when I was graduating, one of my friends like figured out how to set me up with one. And that's when it started. But it was a completely different animal than it is now. We were we were oh, using completely. it in such a different way. But well, we still had started. point and shoot cam. We still had point and shoot cameras. Yeah, yeah. you'd have to up. You'd have to upload oh. it with your. Yeah. We'd lose our camera at the bar yeah. and be like, "Dang it! All my Facebook photos <laughs> oh, were on." Yeah. And you would upload the entire night, yeah. like every single no, yeah, photo yeah. you took. Yeah. yeah. Like, caption this one, caption this one, caption this one. And the wall, one. remember the wall was just a big text box. Yeah. yeah. First oh, came yeah, out. that's right. You could just erase right. anything. Yeah. But you know what's funny you just said? Um, the fact that, like, there was just that select group, like, just yeah. the college. Because we were in college. Right. So yeah, we, like, were, a, like, Boop. I was a freshman, right? Right when I, yeah. when it came mm. out. I was like, oh, what is this? What is the Facebook? <laughs> yeah. And it was literally just other college yeah. people. It felt so exclusive. But I didn't even think about how smart that was. <laughs> Zuckerberg of making it seem like this like exclusive club Mm -hmm. that people wanted to be part of and if you were younger you couldn't be in it yeah (laughs) and you like wanted to be and you would like sneak into it like you were sneaking into a club when you were underage or something (laughs) oh my god it's designed like that from the beginning oh yeah it's been designed to trick our brains from the (laughs) get-go Whoa. So when did when was it that you started saying like, hey, I'm not really sure this is like uh, good for me? Right. Like, when did that first start? Yeah, that must have been five years ago or so. Um, I guess I was like 25. I had started my own business online. I had quit my job. I was working at an advertising agency right out of college and I loved it, but I wasn't really enjoying that world like doing advertising and working for companies and stuff so I quit my job and I started a business where I was teaching online business owners entrepreneurs bloggers how to brand themselves with social media and like how to find their voice and how to like show up online because I had experience with that so that's what I was doing in my advertising job and that's what I was doing for myself so I had to show up a lot and use social media and I had to like I was like, you know, taking my pictures of my coffee and putting the quotes and scheduling things and like Uh, doing the whole thing and then teaching people how to do that. 
And I kept, and my mental health was just like horrible at that time. And it wasn't Mm. because of that social media itself, but it was definitely like exacerbating my mental health struggles. And so I kept trying to like get a grasp on it and try to feel better while also keeping that going. And it was just like a really toxic relationship. And it wasn't until I got pregnant that I was like, I have to get well (laughs) if I'm going to have this kid. Like, I can't just keep doing this because I was really ill at the time. So I, at the time, as soon as I got pregnant, I knew immediately, I was like, I have to delete all of this. Like, I'm jumping ship completely. And so I deleted all of my accounts, like, deleted them, closed them out, had no intention of coming back, closed down the business. Like, it was just off. And I was offline for the majority of my pregnancy. So like eight or nine months. And then in that time, I realized, I mean, a few things, but the main thing I realized is, was that social media itself isn't toxic. It was my relationship with it. That was really, really Mm. toxic and how I was using it, how I was behaving, how like mindlessly I was using these apps. So I decided I did want to come back on because I enjoy, I missed the connection. I missed seeing all these friends and like staying in touch with people through text and stuff. It just like wasn't sustainable. And I wanted to share this like new chapter of my life, you know, with friends and Mm -hmm. family. So I came back on very, you know, trepidatiously, I guess, like very mindfully. And I privatized my accounts. I was very, I I unfriended and unfollowed a lot of people. So they couldn't, people that like weren't anybody to me. I don't know you. Right. Like, especially when I had my online business, I had like, I was following thousands and thousands of people and they were following me back. And it was just this like business thing. And I, they, we didn't know each other. So it's a numbers game. It's nothing to do with relationship. Right. And, and at, once I got off and I started learning more about social media, I was like researching like how it all works and stuff, how fake all those numbers are, how little they really mean. Like once I came back on, the way that I use social media has almost nothing to do with numbers now. Like my worth mm-hmm. and the value of what I'm putting out is not measured by the number and the engagement and things like that. So that helps a lot. But privatizing helped and now my Instagram and like the certain ones that I use for my content are public and I'm very intentional about what parts of my life I share. Um, Mm. And yeah, I just make my own rules for how I use it. And I really enjoy social media now. Like I, I enjoy going on, but that's because I took some time off and took some time away. Yeah. Wow. And your mental health, you know, you've, it sounds like you really, and and that's such a big part of the book. Mm -hmm. It's a big part of your platform, the way that you interview your podcast guests when do you feel like, I mean, it's it's different. Like, obviously, we're not that much older than you. We're same category. Right. But even still, that little bit of age difference, we're probably about six, seven years apart. Like, I feel like just around your age and a little younger, now it's so normalized to go to therapy. Right. Um, but even, like, a little older than me, it's, eh, I don't know. Um, and I, I loved, I, too, started therapy in college after I got broken up with um <laughs> And so, and saw the loveliest therapist, but it was like the most like, what the heck intro to therapy. And then I was like laughing because I was like, oh my gosh. And then I think I was probably like 23 when I hopped back in, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, (laughs) but when did you kind of like realize that Mm -hmm. mental health was something that you needed to take care of? Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. I'm so, I'm glad that resonated so much and that you had like a I was laughing. I was like, okay. I love hearing when that, when that happens, when people read it. But yeah, I got, 
I had, I mean, you'll see, you read in the book, like I had symptoms of anxiety disorder, like very clear, obvious symptoms my whole childhood. Like I was physically ill a lot from it. I had a lot of like worrisome thoughts, like, but the conversation wasn't normalized and I didn't have a lot of access to resources, neither did my parents. So nobody really knew what was going on. So I was just like a worrisome kid or I would get sick a lot. And that was just kind of my label. And it wasn't until, you know, my boyfriend broke up with me and I was like, I need to go see a therapist because towards the end of our relationship, I had signed up to see the therapist on campus tons of times. And I just kept canceling it because I knew like I was in a bad mental state, like for the last part of our relationship, I was not in a good place. And Mm -hmm. I knew I could use some help. And I just never knew how to like really ask for it. And so once he broke up with me, like I literally like hung up the phone and walked into a therapist office. Like I, I knew I needed something. And I'm really glad I did that. But that was the first time I got told, okay, this is anxiety. This is how we can work on it was just like a taste of getting the help. And then I graduated and just never saw a therapist again until um, I was like you said, like 23. And that was when I started dating my now husband. And imagine I was 23. He was 36. He was divorced. He had two kids. I had like very quickly after dating him quit my job, moved in with him. My entire life changed. I was a stepmom. I was 23 years old. Like it was just this implosion (laughs) of my entire life and identity. And so obviously I was not stable and mentally healthy. (laughs) I was not doing great. So I went back to a therapist and that time, that's the time where I really started noticing like, okay, this is something I need help with. I need tools. And it's funny enough I don't think I mentioned this in the book, but the therapist I saw when I was 23, her name was Lauren. Her name was also Lauren. That was like one of the reasons I chose her. And I saw she was like one of the most fundamental therapists that I've ever had. Like she helped me so much. She made such a difference in my life. And then years later, like five years later, whatever, I'm pregnant. I go to a a yoga, like prenatal yoga thing. I'm going there like once a week. All the moms start like becoming friends. And we do it every week. We see each other every week. We went out to dinner one night and I'm talking to one of the ladies and I'm like, oh, like, what do you do for work? And she's like, oh, like, I'm a therapist. And I was like, because her name was Lauren. And I was like, were you my therapist? And she was like, yeah, I'm not allowed to, like, approach you and tell unless you like. Oh and I was like, gosh. how did I not recognize you? Like, that's crazy. And it's literally because I blacked out that entire really Whoa. traumatic part of my my story was just gone out of my brain Holy shit that's wild <laughs> yeah. so now i'm like friends Whoa. with her but it was pretty yes. crazy because i usually have a very good memory but yeah mental trauma but just goes to show and how compartmentalized yeah. you know you must have been to have been like this is just this one place that i go for this one thing yeah. like, she doesn't she doesn't exist in the world she doesn't she doesn't have she a baby she office. doesn't get pregnant yeah yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So she helped a ton mm-hmm. and got you through, it sounds like, so much. Yeah. Um, are you still in therapy now? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been, like, bouncing around since then. Um, I've seen maybe three or four different ones since her, just depending on, like, the season of life I was in. Um, but the one I have right now is really great. She's helped me a ton. 
I've been seeing her maybe for like two years. I didn't see her for the majority of quarantine, like when lockdown started. I was like just starting to get like some breakthroughs with her and then things got shut down and we were starting to do virtual sessions and it, I really didn't like it. So I was just like, I quit it. I didn't go back. Mm-hmm. And that was like almost a year and it took a toll on me for sure. Yeah. And I realized like, yeah, I need to go back. So luckily now I can see her in person and that's great. But I did eventually go back like virtually with her at the beginning. And I'm so, so glad I did. Like I I needed it. But now I've gone from like going every week to now we're going every biweekly and like probably we'll do it like once a month eventually, like taper it out. But it made a difference for sure. Huge, <laughs> huge difference. I don't know if you knew this, but I'm a mental health counselor. No. And yeah, so I've been meeting with clients yeah. virtually, you know, and it's interesting because there are definitely people that were like, can't do mm-hmm. one more screen. Mm-hmm. And then the people that were like, sick, I'm never coming back in person. Right. Like, this is the best thing that's ever happened that's what in my she life. Said. You know? A lot of her clients were like, oh, no, I don't want to go back in person. Now she only goes to the office like once a week. She puts all yeah. of us on that same day because most of her clients are like, no, I like doing it like this. And I was like, I need to be in person. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm actually, it's funny. I, this is my, we're in my office right now and this is, I'm going to start seeing clients in my, at my house. Oh, wow. How do you feel about it? Do you, do you prefer seeing clients in person, Al? Either way. I think mm. there's so much lost in translation, um, especially for new clients. But like if it's mm. old people, not old people, old, <laughs> older clients I've worked with for years, I'm like, oh, I kind of like know enough to where we can just sync up. But yeah, it's been such a busy year for mental health and it's kind of, you know, a little segue into social media has been so interesting. We were just mm-hmm. talking about it on our last episode, like how kind of dead and chill it was during the pandemic, yeah. but so much about social justice and important causes and things that were going on in the world. Um, but now it's back to like, I went here. Yeah. Check out what I'm doing. Look at my new pool swim. Ooh, it's yeah. a waffle, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it went great. Yay. But also just whoa what a freaking difference yeah i'm having a hard time reconciling or like reckoning with that for sure it's jarring we went from like complete under stimulation and just like stagnant energy to like overstimulation now and like especially for people who have are in the space of like anxiety and like mental health stuff to just get like and a lot of people are just we're just starting to like learn that about themselves and like dig yeah. into a toolbox and like start figuring it out. And now they're just like, poof, like getting thrown back into this madness. And I don't know if we're ready. I don't feel ready. But yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a big, it's a big push. And there's still that judgment around like, you know, they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Should I, or like, I, what trips? I don't, I don't know. I well, know. then I think the pa- the pandemic kind of really put us all sort of on that same playing field mm-hmm. of like, yeah. Well, no one can go anywhere. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're all we're all in the same And even if you are somewhere, you're probably not posting about it. Yeah. So, yeah, so we exactly. don't even know that's, that's exactly. just fine. Yeah. Right? It's true. But um, it is interesting that that sort of you talked about it a little bit, the the FOMO, mm. the FOMO of on that's on social media. But it's like more intense or a different there's like no word for it, mm-hmm. you were saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially right now, because like I don't know. Like we've gotten so connected to each other, and in this time where we're all we're home, and then mm-hmm. all of the like social justice kind of stuff, like the the world 
stuff like that was going on outside of our homes really like divided a lot of people and disconnected a lot of people while at the same time a lot of people were finding like oh we have similar views like let's let's team up and get together so there's a lot of like us and them going on that I feel happens and then you know we see people share these like slivers of their life and pass all this judgment and make opinions about them and what they're doing and why they're doing it and should they be doing it and how dare they do that and I try really hard to stay mindful of my that part of my brain when I'm on social media and like when I'm instantly making opinions about people and making judgments about Mm. why they're posting this like there is so much we're not seeing like more than I'll ever be able to explain in a book so I try really hard not to fall down that rabbit hole because it's easy it's easy to just see someone out there posting something on the beach and you're like making up an entire story in your head of what's going on and you never you'll never get a chance to hear the real story but when when you and you talk about so much you know anxiety and when you run anxious mm-hmm. you know jumping to stories and rabbit holes is like you're that's 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 no problem mm-hmm. that is no problem getting to those points yeah so it just fuels this anxiety and and you know like you were yeah like they said there's just it's it's sort of this mental health condition mm-hmm. that we haven't really labeled yet yeah. or um you know, you experience it in all these ways, or I can't remember, I think when you were talking about it in your panic, your panic attack, Mm -hmm. um, and you were saying like, not one thing had happened. Right, right. It wasn't that there was like a pinpoint, it was like all this other stuff running in the background going on, and how social media can contribute to Mm -hmm. that, and a bunch of other things, and you even talk about your parents mm-hmm. and the way you were raised and some of the stuff you've gone through. But yeah, I don't know if you want to talk more about that. Just kind of like how it all intersects sure. in, in between wiring and parenting <laughs> and growing up yeah. and social yeah. media, all that. Yeah. Big question, but you've got it. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one though, <laughs> Also read the book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's, I mean, for sure, the intersection is where it all kind of like is, is what I'm so interested in. And I think a lot of us need to be more interested in because it takes this like refocusing inward and unpacking our own bags and seeing like what all is here making us up right like how did we get to this point and you look behind you and you're like full of boxes like a u-haul truck behind you and you're like oh i need to go through all that and that takes time and that takes it's uncomfortable and i think a lot of people for the first time started that work during quarantine because they had nothing else to fucking do so they were just stuck home and they were like okay i guess i'm gonna be forced to open up these boxes but up until then we're just so busy keeping up. We're so busy going to the next thing and doing to the party and like da, 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 looking out at what everyone else is doing. It's really easy to avoid that work. So when we were stuck in our houses, we were like, oh, let me work on that. And I feel a lot of people are going through that journey right now, like in this past year and a half. And now that we're going back into the real world, I'm afraid that it's just all going to like get closed back up again. I'm hoping not. But mm-hmm. the intersection is really just like, an individual case by case basis. Like you can, you, you find that out for yourself, but I know my, like my anxiety, my depression is not just because of social media. Like I know that's not what's making me anxious and depressed. I know it's not just, you know, the generation I was raised in the news, my parents were watching the fact that I was only a child, like all these different experience. It's like a sum of, I'm a, I'm a sum of my parts. So learning what all those parts are and how they might contribute 
to this experience that I have and this like baseline of anxiety that I live with helps me when it does get flared up. I'm able to like understand it more. Like I understand, it's like I can like taste the flavor of it a little better Mm -hmm. and like understand the nuances. So I'm like, okay, like she said that that triggered me because of the way I was raised and the way my mom was and all of that like fires really quickly and connects in your head. Whereas before you do all the work and learn about your own anxiety and mental illnesses and mental health, it, you're just lost. You're like so confused yeah. as to why something is so triggering to you. But yeah, I think that everyone has to do that work on their own. Like, And that's what I make sure to point out in the book is that like, I'm not telling anybody how they're going to do it. Like, I have no answers for anybody. Like, that's a a journey that everyone has to go on on their own. And I just share mine as an example. And then people can, like, you know, use it however they can to go on their own journey. But there's no one right way to do this. And whoever is selling it like there is, is making money, (laughs) making money off of people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just went down the Rachel Hollis (laughs) Uh, oh, rabbit hole the deep dive uh, oh. episode of Oof. Kate Kennedy you got I don't know I don't know if you're Rachel Hall no fan, no no that's it okay, okay. well I read her book it. back like when yeah. it came out I didn't right. like you know become like a fan of hers or anything but I read it and yeah when this whole thing came out it like totally made sense I wasn't shocked or anything I was like oh yeah that tracks yeah because like she's right. part of that world like mm-hmm. they're of course, like that's what they do. That's how they make their money. They try to convince yes. you that something's wrong with you. They tell you how to fix it. That's the whole thing. So, oh my gosh, they tell you. And it was interesting on this deep dive episode I was listening to. <laughs> I don't even know. I haven't even read any of her books or anything. But like, it is being in the mental health field. There is such this um, dangerous path that some people can take, mm. where it's like, um, I'm going to tell you what to do, how to live your life, what decisions to make. And that was like the whole quote of this deep dive. The opening line was when Rachel Hollis says, like, I could sell you dirty socks because I own you, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, oh, my God, you know, because she she's does she kind of creates this. She's not wrong. But but so I love what you said. Basically, that's my point <laughs> is like, look, this is an example. I'm sharing my story. And that's part of the normalizing process. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to be in the mental health space and that kind of self-help space, it really does make the bigger impact when you're sharing your own struggles right. and your own story and your own experience with mental health. Yeah. You know, I mean, right? Like Absolutely. I, we, we talk, that's one reason why on this podcast, it's like similar to, I loved what you had said in some of your episodes on your podcast. Like this is the stuff that, you know, maybe isn't being asked mm. out there. Like we'll ask it here. And we always bring up mental health with every guest because without that, like, I don't feel right. Mm-hmm. No, get like get, get we want to get real. Like get yeah. that, we want to like, hear the real the stuff. Story. Yeah, yeah and know. podcasts create a platform for that cuz like there really isn't space for that on Instagram. Like you're not that's not what it's made for. It's not what it was designed to do. Like it's designed to share pretty pictures and be like aesthetically pleasing and cool. Some people can write captions and like I try my best to use as many words as I can. But that's not why people mm-hmm. are coming there. And So, yeah, you're not going to get the full picture. And to try to, like, change Instagram and expect Instagram to change to fit that need isn't realistic. Like, Instagram is doing just fine. Like, they're not going to change because it's, like, hurting us. That's an absolutely valid point. So do you have an Instagram, like, a personal account and then one for, like, your podcast book? Yeah, I have, like, my content account where I get people, like, that's public and, and that's where I would, like, want people to 
find out about me and things like that. I share a lot of my work and my book and my podcast there. And then I have like my private account where I'll share pictures of my kids, for example, and my family. And I don't share that stuff on my other account because that other account is specifically just about me and my life and my brain. And like, that's what I'm talking about there. But on my personal account, it has like a 100 people, my friends, my family, and they're able to like keep up with my life and my family and my kids. And I like that it's private because, yeah, I'm able to make that choice. And so is everyone So else. do you do you still now take breaks from social media as needed? Yeah. I've – I feel like I was doing it a lot more and I would do it, like, periodically and I would notice when it was starting to get, like, really heavy and overwhelming and I'd be like, okay, that's a sign. And I would take a break. Like I talk about, it's really important to prepare before you take a break so you can't just, like – because I used to do this back in the day where I would just like delete everything and in a fit and two minutes later, get it right back on my phone because I was right. like having withdrawals. But if you know that you're going to delete the apps and it's like, OK, next week I'm going to be off for the week. I would prep my calendar and be like, OK, how am I going to fill in that white space? What books am I going to be reading? What podcasts am I going to be listening to instead of scrolling? Because you don't realize yeah. how much of your day, no, even if you see the time on your phone, like you don't really realize how much of your time you're spent scrolling on your phone until it's off and you're picking up your phone every five seconds to like open up an app that isn't there. So prepping for that, taking so that my time off the apps was more productive. And I was like really learning what that withdrawal fit felt like and things like that and then the more I did it every time I came back on I just felt a little bit healthier every time I came back on with the apps and now I don't take that much time off I do notice when I'm like okay Lauren like you're Mm -hmm. in a spell right now like you've been on the couch for a while you're going through it like maybe instead of sitting on your phone you should go outside like I'm able to catch myself in the moment but it still happens. Like, I'll still go through my, you know, big sads and sit on a couch and scroll TikTok until my eyes cross just to, like, mm-hmm. distract myself from my feelings. And that happens. Like, it's going to happen. I'm not perfect. But I'm aware of it a lot more than I was before. So maybe it's affecting me less. But it still happens yeah. for sure. I get lost in the scroll all the TikTok's, time. TikTok's so fun. I love TikTok. <laughs> I love I'm obsessed TikTok. with it. Are you? You're not on it. Really. I, I like when other people compile videos mm. and I watch their yeah, like through on Insta. Like, I don't. I don't want the explore. Page. Oh, it's so fun, and I learn so much stuff <laughs> yeah. and laugh so much at the dogs. <laughs> All yeah, the dogs of TikTok. Are, people are so funny. You're so funny, and I, I, you know, it, I, it just makes me love humanity. Yeah, I know a lot Most of creativity. Of I mean, there are it's so some... like TikTok's so much more creative than Instagram. Right. Like I'm like, oh, Instagram, you motherfucker. <laughs> But I love you, but I fucking hate you. And then there's like TikTok where I'm like, I still love you. You're still like in my good graces. Yeah. You know? like, I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't change. Still. TikTok's your favorite child. You fit, TikTok yeah. is my favorite child. Same. But you know what's interesting with the younger gen mm. is that they use the Snapchat oh, no. for the text. I know. So if you so don't weird. have Snapchat and you are under the age of 22, you're not talking to anyone. What do you mean? Like instead of texting, they they snap. Yes, Snapchat they snap. each other, and they don't mm-hmm. even use like words. Like they'll just like take a picture of themselves, like, and then Ooh. the other person will send a picture <laughs> of themselves, and then like wherever they happen to be. Like I'm in a car. Ooh. Here's my foot. Like it's yeah. super 
weird. And the lingo is like unread for texts, mm-hmm. right? But then it's un. Is it unopened? I don't. I don't yeah, know. She left me on unop- She left me unopened. Mm-hmm. I left him unopened. Oh. Like that's a really big. Like, and then there's something moment. like called streaks, where like yeah. you yeah. snap with the same person yeah. a, a, an amount of times, and you get like an award. I I don't yeah. know. I have a twelve year old, yeah. and it's just. It's hard. It's hard to stay then up. you're like, what do we do? Like, if I don't want my, my I have an almost 12 year old. Mm-hmm. I don't want him getting social media like until he's 18 years right. old. That's my wish. Mm-hmm. However, is that really awesome if I keep him from talking to his friends on Snapchat? Right. Like, I don't know. And then once you open the door, how do you keep it only open a little? Like, it's such this like tricky. I know it's like the parents every. I mean, this is talked about like beyond. Mm-hmm. I know. But. It's just it goes to show some of that piece of being a millennial that we're so lucky we didn't have that influence Mm -hmm. at such a young age. At the same time, like, would it have been helpful? Like, were there certain things I wish I would have found out and had, like, support from people Mm. on my phone? Like, there's there is a purpose that it serves. But Mm. I guess that's a question like. You know, having a 12 year old and um, and would you say nine? Yeah. 12 and nine. Yeah. I mean, what is what is your take? And I, you guys are blended, mm-hmm. right? So you have their mom. Is she around, too? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like a lot of yeah. group discussion about. <laughs> yeah, it comes up. I mean, I'm kind of the one that's more focused on that whole aspect of it, like the yeah. social media mental health aspect, obviously, because mm-hmm. that's like what I right. write about and care about the most. But the biggest issue that becomes like all the parents end up talking about it, like all four of us, is like their addiction to the technology and the fact that their mood is really affected. Like they Mm -hmm. become very like angry when we take, like have to take them away from their screens. And like, it's like this, like, ah, they're so invested in it and they become like really nasty and we have to like take it away, all that stuff. That becomes a, a lot of discussion. But what I try to talk to the boys about a lot is like, they're going to see stuff that maybe they're not ready for. And like, they're going to see stuff that they're uncomfortable with, or, you know, they're going to feel certain things when like, maybe they're going to feel FOMO, jealousy, whatever. Like they're going to feel stuff. And like, we can talk to them about it, especially me. Cause like yeah. their dad is a bit older than me and he's not really on social media, but, mm-hmm. um, I was, you know, 12 years old, a lot more recently than their dad was, for example. So I'm able to like talk to them about it. And my work is online. So I have some cred and I can say like, talk to me about what's going on. Like I want that communication there. And that's what we didn't have. That's what my generation Mm -hmm. didn't have because the adults had no idea what the fuck was going on because it was all happening like in real time. So we were the ones like discovering everything and learning how all this stuff worked. And Nobody was helping us. No one was teaching us about setting boundaries. No one was teaching us about how to, you know, reconcile with these like weird feelings we were getting and all the weird images we might have seen. So Mm -hmm. I try to keep that line of communication open. I want them to feel comfortable talking to me. Um, And he does like the the nine year old is not really online. He's just doing like Fortnite and stuff, which is a whole other thing. But he does that. But the 12 year old is like super advanced. Like he is so smart. He has a YouTube. He's been YouTubing since he was eight. He makes his own videos. He edits them. He produced like he's so smart. So he sounds like Baylor. Yeah, sounds he's like her my son, son too. I'm like, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's so friends. impressive. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to deny him that. I want to encourage him. Right. I want to encourage the creativity. I want to encourage him to like explore and use the internet. But I know what's right. out there for the most part. For as much as I know, I'm sure there's new stuff now. But 
And I, I just tell him, like, if I ask you questions, I want you to be able to answer them. Like, if I'm asking you, hey, what is that? Like, what is Discord, which is, like, the new thing that they use yeah. to, like, talk to each other? Like, explain it to me. Like, I'm not a dinosaur. Like, you can talk to me. And yeah, I'll get I'm it. Curious. I promise. Yeah. I yeah. Need to right. know. Yeah. And then when you have a question, like, he was upset about, like, not getting views on YouTube or something. And he was, like, going to quit or whatever. And I told him straight out. I was like, if you're only making YouTube videos because you want likes and followers, like, you should quit. Like, definitely quit. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing that. And I had a big oh talk gosh. with him. Like, that's not what you're doing this for. Like, you're doing this to practice, to get better, to hone in on your craft. So by the time you're 22 and everyone's just starting to get into their YouTubing and graphic design and stuff like that, you'll be like a veteran. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. So just so funny. talking to them. Lauren, I had, I had that exact same conversation mm. with my son because he was like, well, who's going to see it? Like, I want to put it onto YouTube and I want them to see it. And then, you know, if they're not seeing it and it was the same conversation, I was like, let's break this down. So it's so it's true. I'm loving this because it's universal. Mm. It is so part of their and my son doesn't have any social media or anything. He doesn't have a cell phone. But, yeah. you know, there's there's so much that without a cell phone, even, yeah. you know, he can. It's still right there. The likes, the views, the the I, I mean, I, you guys, if I would have had social media when I was 13, Lord I would have mercy. been obsessed and had a thousand dance videos, mm-hmm. a million <laughs> dance videos, and just like checked every day, every minute yeah. to see how many people were obsessed with me because that was all I cared about. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it would I was so, be, right? I would like, so embarrassed. Because yeah. oh, we were like, making videos. They were just yeah. like oh, yeah. on VHS oh, and no, yeah. <laughs> we would be the only yeah. ones who saw them. Yeah. yeah. But I think that you <laughs> saying, talking about how the, having these feelings as a child with social media and being able to talk mm. about it with your kids, that I think is the sweet spot because I do think there is a whole group of parents who w- would prefer just to protect and mm. just like pretend mm-hmm. it's not there. And like you were saying, like that might not be helpful in, mm. in the end, you know? Right. So I think that is such a sweet spot of being able to just have a conversation about it. Yeah, I mean, we have friends who their kids are like, not on any of it and their kids are like oh angels amazing like mm-hmm. i'm like oh i wish i wish that we had that scenario but we don't right like we yeah. don't and you know our kids all of their friends that's how they're socializing that's how they're and in touch the truth is we got them cell phones well we got the 12 year old a cell phone when he was like eight like when he was young mm-hmm. because he was going back and forth to different houses we wanted to be able to talk to him when he was at the other house and like that was just what worked for us yep and it made him go online a lot sooner than we would have maybe wanted or were comfortable with. But yeah, as long they're gonna see it, they're gonna. You see teach it. them the responsibility. Right. You you teach them about that tool. That's yes. the end of it. And you teaching know, them about like... boundaries too. Like right. when we tell All them, like it. we're gonna take this away from you until you're behaving better. Or blah, blah, blah. Like we were doing that a lot, and then I finally was like. You know, because he would get, like, really nasty and angsty and, like, you can't do the whole, like, moodiness. And finally, I was like, dude, we're taking it away and you'll determine when you get it back. You can show us that you have, like, a consistent change in behavior, that you have a healthy relationship, that you know when to, you know, when enough is enough, that you'll ask us, you'll talk to us. Hey, guys, I want to make a YouTube video. This is what I'm going to do. Like, have conversation with us. That is a healthy relationship. Show us that you can develop one yourself. Because we can tell you till we're blue in the face, you need to set boundaries. You need to be healthier about this. But, like, we can't do it for you. 
Well, we, we show him, we lead by example, we make sure that the habits in the house are very clear, that there's not phones when we're eating, and that we in, involved in family time, we don't, we're not on our phones, like, we show him, but we can't do it for you. So do it yourself with the incentive of, like, getting your stuff back, right. and then it will, like, sink in a little more and develop into a habit. And it, and it has. He does, you know ask us now, involve us in this in the conversation, like, hey, guys, my friends are telling me that they're going to be on at eight o'clock and I'm going to do, is it cool? Yeah, that's fine. Go. That's fine. But not just fine. like run in the house, close your door and, you know, don't talk to us. That's not cool. So well, it's like anything else, too. Like, OK, drinking in high school. Right. How are we going to approach that? Sex. Um, if you are driving and you aren't wearing your seatbelt and you're driving around a bunch of ding dongs mm-hmm. or like keep your car a mess like you like it's with anything there's responsibility with anything and we learn about the responsibility with all these big big concepts Mm -hmm. at different stages and I feel like the the kids who are sheltered perhaps and I say that with like those are the parents who go above and beyond to protect and I don't think that they're doing their children a service and that links up with my just like I'll get on I'll I'll hop off my soapbox in just like one (laughs) quick second but like the ones who don't teach their kids about failure, the ones who don't teach yeah. their kids about disappointment, mm. you know, there's just this protective because it is a scary world, yeah, of course, Definitely. but how are we talking to them and teaching them how to exist and survive in it? And the cell phone is kind of like step one, mm-hmm. you know, like that is step one in this huge sea of all of the things that can hurt you, scare you, fuck you up, take you off course, Absolutely. all of that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like good practice there, but how lucky they are to have you mm. and, and just because you're so in touch with this specific right. topic, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of the research you've done and like, that's what people associate with you is like this, this yeah, whole area. I'm grateful for that. I'm glad yes. that that's where my content kind of what a gift cornered what a itself. For your family. <laughs> yeah, truly. It's huge. <laughs> I had a quick question. What do your parents think about your book? Oh, that's a fun question. Um, I'm not. That sh- is a good. I'm not question. sure if they read it. Um, I know my mom read like the beginning of it because, like, she when she was over the other day, I think she like read the first chapter or something. She's like, everyone's gonna think that we gave you anxiety, and I'm like, no, I made it pretty clear that like you didn't give me anxiety. That it was just like the time that you raised me during. Yep. That yep. you know mm-hmm. you couldn't help but be overprotective and whatever. So that was just like a, a mom thing to say but mm-hmm. yeah they I think we're fine with it my dad was like getting all of his friends to buy it and stuff and like posting it on his Facebook and that was really cool they're super proud of me but I don't know how much of it they've read actually they haven't told me about it but I'm not super worried about that I used to be more worried about being so vulnerable and like sharing so much of my story like in a public way, but like, I just can't help it. Like, that's all I know how to do. Like I've been writing on the internet now for almost 10 years and like, it's, that's what feels the best for me. Like when I get it out, it's like, okay, this is our problem now. Like I'm not like sitting alone with it. And I do my best to only share like my experience and like my perspective. And when I, if I am to talk about like someone, like, for example, I mentioned like the fact that my husband had a divorce before we met, I make sure not to like put any opinion of mine about his divorce, like into the, into the story. Right. Cause that's not my story to tell. Like if right. they want to yeah. write a book, go for it. But I'm not going to write that story. I'm only going to write about like their divorce in the context of like my 
story yeah. and my experience in, in the co-parenting and stuff. But, yeah, I don't think my parents would have any anything bad to yeah. say. <laughs> Some yeah. of it might be surprising because, yeah, we didn't talk about mental health at all. So they wouldn't know. Uh, most people in my life probably wouldn't know a lot of what was, oh was, was going on behind the scenes because I wasn't. Right. Yeah, you keep that to yourself. You hide in the shower and cry. Like, you don't go out and yeah. tell everybody. Yeah. Now people are a little more open, which I love. People are more comfortable. And that's, like we talk about, the other side of social media. There's the side that is exacerbating all our mental health issues and making us feel isolated and less than and whatever. But it's also the first time that anybody has a platform and access to resources around mental health. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's very true. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, we have more depression and anxiety and all that now because we have like the data for it. Like, we don't know how many people were anxious and depressed and had disorders (laughs) back then because nobody it was taboo to ever seek help. Nobody was talking to anybody about that. No one had any problems. Everything's fine. No, you have to be crazy to see a therapist. So now it's so normal to get a therapist, to talk, to say, like, I have anxiety, I have this, I have that. And I don't think it's a bad thing where people are like, oh, everyone's, everyone has a label. Everyone has a disorder. Like, whatever. Like, mind your business. Like, whatever people need <laughs> yeah. to start. Like, if they need a label, if they need a this, like, whatever they need to start healing and helping themselves, because every single person needs to do that in their own way. If it's going to a therapist and getting a diagnosis, good. Like, that's a great yeah. first step. But I think that now that I, ha- I saw a uh, statistic during... Uh, this past year with like COVID, all of the scientists had predicted that suicide rates would go up, for example. And there was a statistic that they went down for the first time in decades, like less people committed suicide for the first time in decades. And the number like would always continuously go up and up. And for the first time it went down. And there was like a lot of different reasons for that. But one of the main ones is that like people were able to talk and like be heard and seen by the other people around them because no one were we were all used to being so isolated and busy with our own little lives and for the first time we were all just focused together mm-hmm. and connected so that helps yeah. <laughs> like we i would like to keep that experience. going yes yes yeah, yeah i know i know it's it's incredible there was there was so much of that fatigue and that you know there was depressive things, all these things that happened during the pandemic. Right. But at the same time, yeah, there was this kind of like, but we're all in this. And just knowing that I'm not yeah. alone in that feeling and seeing people talk about it and post about it, you know, that was, that's like so, so validating. So validating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Is this the pandemic or is this my depression? Right. Either way, you know, someone else is feeling it too. I just read it, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Okay. Tell us uh, really quick. You've been right. You're a writer. You've been writing. What was the process um, writing a book? What was it like? Mm. How'd you how'd you do this? <laughs> Sometimes I don't even know. But um, <laughs> I so I started writing about ten years ago. I had like a blog out of my like, college apartment. Oh, the blog. Yeah, yes. I had like a yeah, little blog. blog spot. And then <laughs> when I was working at the ad agency, I was publishing on like a thing called Thought Catalog. It was like a. It's still up. It's like a millennial and now it's more for like gen z it's like a young people like publishing publication and so i would write about like my life dating relationships college grads and all that and i was doing that while i worked at the ad agency 
And then after I left the agency, I was still writing for Thought Catalog and a bunch of other places. And they also published books. So they published a, my first book, which is called Relationships, which was about like my different relationships in my life up until then. And that was my first experience writing a book. And I was just like, so jazzed that someone was going to publish a book of mine. I was like, Huge. yeah, I'll sign on the dotted line. I'll do whatever you say. So I had no idea what I was doing. They didn't offer a ton of support. So I didn't even tell anyone I was writing a book until it was out. So no, no one bought it. Like I didn't have like a, a, an audience, a platform. Like they weren't helping me sell it. So yeah, Weird. that book came and went mm -hmm. and no one really read it. So I knew I wanted to write another one and I knew I wanted to do it differently. And that it took like maybe five years in between of really like sitting with it. Like, what is this freaking book? Like, I know it's there. What is it going to be? Mm -hmm. And then after my daughter was born, I sat down and I took everything I had ever written that I had access to, like since college, papers. I was in the creative writing program, so I wrote a lot of stuff. Um, all the blogs I'd published, Instagram, everything that I had access to, put it all in one Word document, which was like hundreds and hundreds of pages. And I just Whoa. read through it all and like put in the margins like themes that I was seeing. And of course, wow. that's how it came up. <laughs> yeah. So I'd been writing about this for the past 10 You're years. You're like, I've been talking about this for a little bit. Yeah. So I'm going to write like, about it Unbeknownst now. to me, I've been writing about being a millennial, my mental health, how social media is, you know, the just like existing within this like realm of social media. And so that's where the concept or like the outline of the book came from. And I just went from there. And then I, I was done with it. I put a proposal together. I really wanted to get it traditionally published because that's the dream. And I tried really hard. I've sent hundreds and hundreds of emails and tried to figure it out and got with all of my contacts and really tried to make it happen. But the truth is, I don't have a very big following. Like, I'm, I'm a small content creator and I can't promise a lot of sales. Nobody knows who I am. So nobody was interested in what I was, what I was selling. So that was, you know, deflating. And then... I got offered to work with a hybrid publisher, which they would like handle all of it, but I would like have to pay them to do it. It was like kind of weird. And I found out that like everything they were offering to do for me, I could just like Google how to do and self-publish <laughs> myself. Yeah. And that seemed like a program that was better for someone who maybe isn't as tech savvy, doesn't understand right. how like social media and marketing works. So like they pay someone to like handle it for them, but I didn't need that. So that's when... You know, when I turned 30, I was in the middle of quarantine when I turned 30. I had set all these goals for myself, like, oh, by the time I'm 30, I'll have a book out and I'll be on the New York Times bestsellers list. And, like, I had all these lofty dreams and it came and went. And I was like, well, shit, I don't even have a book out. So I, at 30, I was like, okay, I'm going to self-publish. I'm going to figure out how to do this. And I spent the majority of quarantine wow. figuring it out. And I and I got it done. And honestly, I... I told myself in the very beginning, I was like, the achievement is hitting publish. Like, you're hitting publish on the book. You're getting it out. That's the goal. If you mm. sell a bunch, if you get on all the lists, whatever else, that's all gravy. That's all bonus. But you need to just set your sights on hitting publish. And I have plenty of lofty big goals for myself still, but I'm not, like, hanging on to all of them desperately yeah. like I may have in the past. But I did have some success on TikTok. I had like a random video go viral and I used that as leverage to like um, get more more sales. So it, it, the the launch was a lot more successful than I was 
anticipating oh, so i'm very proud of that awesome. yeah Congrats. that's so cool yeah. so you know how do you then so you you like to take your breaks with social media mm-hmm. you feel like you have like a handle on that relationship with social media mm-hmm. then how are how, you know how do you how do you reconcile doing all of your book promotion mm-hmm. and promotion for your podcast like what do you do when you feel like you need to take a break now yeah even though you have to you have to keep putting it out there yeah no I just take a break I don't put it out there like I'm really oh. I spent I mean I'm in a very fortunate situation where like this isn't my livelihood like there's a lot of people out there who their job is to they don't have, churn yeah, out content that's their job yeah, yeah so like right. they have to go out th- they have a very different job um they have different work they need to do to create a healthy relationship with their time online because it is their job and they have to show up. So they need to figure out how to do that in a way that that will feel good and not drain them. My experience is different. I do this for fun. I do this for myself. So like my podcast, for example, it's really fun. I love doing it. I love the work I put into it. But if I'm going through a time where I just like am not feeling great, I'll just not put out the episode or I'll like skip a week or something and I'll explain it to the guests like, oops, like the calendar, I have to change it to the next week. And like everyone's pretty understanding about that. Um, I'm sure if I had brand deals and huge, huge guests that like needed to come out, it would be a different experience. But for the most part, I don't do that too often. But if I have, everyone's super understanding. And when it comes to my content, same way, like if you don't hear from me on my Instagram for a while, at this point, a lot of people can understand why. But if I were to be like, hey, guys, I'm taking a break, that's it. Like, that's the expectation. Mm-hmm. And I think that should be everyone's standard, standard practice. Like, hey, guys, I'm going to be, you know, not answering emails this weekend or I'm going to be mm-hmm. not responding to DMs or like just st- setting a standard so that we're not we're always like expected to be so available all oh the my time, Isn't all, that the all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's just never been my personality. I'm a very like unplugged kind of personality I like to just like sit and detach and that's just how I how I do things that's how I get my energy back I was having this conversation with my husband actually because he's totally different he like needs stimulation and he needs to be active and he needs to when we go on vacation we have to have like everything we have to have activities to do and all this stuff and I'm like that's draining for me but I realized that's how he gets his energy he gets his energy by being stimulated and busy and when I'm on vacation, I'm on the opposite end of it where I need to be, if I'm like alone in a house, like in a cabin, I have nothing going on. My day is just white space. I just don't have anything to do. That's where I gain my energy. That's how I'm recharged. And when I'm rushing around with everyone, I'm like drained and depleted. So we have to kind of like find a happy medium there. But that's how I feel about social media. When I feel like it's draining me, I'm very quickly turning it off but when a lot of the time especially now I gain a lot from social media it gives me life it recharges my inspiration so I'm mm-hmm. happy to be on there but yeah it comes I from get the self-awareness yeah like, that's exactly you, what right? I was gonna say like, yeah you know you can use any of those things a vacation mm-hmm. a cabin social media whatever if you don't have the self-awareness mm. about your own mental health and your needs mm. and if you are unable to ask for what you need yeah. be it the recharging or whatever it is you, you are going to be projecting. You are going to be triggered. You are going to be blamey, victim mentality, mm. you know, all of these things that, that denial, right? And and we use all of these things then as vices right. because we're just not really sure what the fuck's going on with us. Right. So, you know, without the, so without the awareness and self-awareness and the mental health checks and really understanding yourself, you know, 
Like, I always thought I was the biggest extrovert on the planet until I realized, like, oh, I'm actually not. I'm very similar to you. Like, I need to be, like, away. Yeah. And, like, don't talk to me. If I have one thing on my calendar that day, I'm already stressed out. Yeah. You know, I'm like, there's one thing I have to do. I'm going to die. You know, like, but, but, and if it's one empty day, I'm like, this is bliss. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't ever know that. I thought it was a bad thing. Right. Until, right. Mm. I thought I, I felt shame about like mm. not wanting to. You've been to. conditioned to believe that it's shameful. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. I'm like, everyone said I was a Leo and I'm supposed to be bo- mm. like out there and I'm extroverted. Well, I am sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not all the time. But right. not all the time. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. So I, my question next would be, I, I've given up social media for, for Lent. A couple of years. I'm Catholic, so I've done it a couple of times, and it all it always surprises me the first few days, where because I I delete it off my phone, mm-hmm. so that even when I but when I open my phone, like I instinctually yeah. head to where it, uh-huh. oh my god this is sick like my thumb was going <laughs> it's not even there Lacey it's not even there like move away, but after I don't know a week or so it it, it there is this like feeling of like. Oh, I'm kind of free. Yeah. I kind of, but then also toward the end, it's like, okay, I'm ready to come back. Like, I want to check in. Right. So, what advice would you have for somebody who, like, maybe wants to take a break, mm-hmm. but like baby steps? Right. Yeah. The baby. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think before anyone takes a break, knowing your personality helps a lot. Like, if, because it's just like drugs or alcohol, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you have an addictive personality, if you see that you can't, like it's really affecting you and you are not going to be able to do this in moderation, you need to be real honest with yourself. And maybe it's not something you can have in your life. If it's like affecting you so negatively and you can't do it less and you can't moderate yourself, you might have a like more toxic relationship than most people. So, Mm -hmm. so the, the things that I suggest are not for that person. That person needs something a little bit more severe. But when, when you're taking baby steps, the first thing is that, awareness, recognizing, hey, I don't feel so good when I'm scrolling. I'm Mm -hmm. starting to get really judgy about the people I'm seeing. I'm starting to feel real bad about myself because I feel like I'm not doing enough. Like noticing those feelings come up and that's like the sign. Okay, like I need to take a break. And like I said, when you take the break, know when you're going to do it. Like, okay, tomorrow I'm not going to check my phone. Right. Or even as simple as like, I'm not going to check my phone in the morning and in the evening. Like, it's a very good first baby step because a lot of us, myself included, first thing, I'm grabbing my phone and I'm checking stuff Mm -hmm. and I'm scrolling myself to sleep. Like, that's just how I how I do it when I'm not paying attention. So if you just set that standard and habit for yourself, like, okay, this week I'm going to set a goal and I'm not going to check my phone until this time of the day and I'm going to put my phone away at this time of the day and I'm going to stick to it. And then that kind of like strengthens that muscle so that the next time you want to take a break, you're like, okay, I'm going to not check my phone on Saturdays. Saturdays, the phone is gone, no social media. And then that next time you need a break, you're like, okay, this time I'm going to do it for a week or whatever it is. And then you do, you develop your own tolerance for, for those breaks. But I do think you do need the break. Like everyone has to at least try it once for that experience where you're just like, scrolling on your, you're like, oh, I keep grabbing my phone and it's not there. You, we need to face that. Like we need to mm-hmm. face the fact that we are addicted and it's not mm-hmm. your fault. It's not, you're not bad for being addicted. It's designed right. for you to be addicted. There are scientists in a lab figuring out how to make the color of the notifications, how often they show up, the infinite scroll, all of it is designed 
purposefully to affect our brains like a drug. So when you realize that, you're like, okay, you know, you're not going to like snort cocaine all day. Just like, you know, not to do that for that exact reason. So you how it helps you create a mentality around your technology use and your social media use. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know we have to wrap up because Lace has to get to a t-ball game sure. here in a minute. Our our sons played each other on oh. a Monday this week. It was so funny. It was like the cutest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. I That's thought so I was fun. just going to die the whole time. They're so cute. <laughs> I wanted to just though real quick. Yeah. I love what you talk about on your podcast and on your social and here. I mean, I'm in the book mm-hmm. um, about like medication. And I was uh, well, this might have to be we may have to have you back. because I, <laughs> I feel like I feel like there's a whole bunch of other things that I want to talk That's about. Fine. And I don't know if we have the time, but just like if you're listening, like, please go listen to um, her podcast. Oh, you. um, your podcast is so good. Thank Will you, you tell so people much. just a little bit about it? Like just your kind of you know, where to find you. Sure. Things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the perfect podcast, it's P E R F C K E D. And that it's on its fifth season right now. And I interview influential content creators from all different um, parts of the internet. So we have actresses, podcast hosts, doctors, coaches, you authors. Have so many good guests. Yeah. So like many. entrepreneurs, all different people from honestly the way that I find I do the whole podcast by myself, completely solo. I find all the guests. Dude. I edit it. I do the from top to bottom. I don't have anyone helping. So all the guests I find, unless like every now and then like someone will reach out to me or like someone's PR person. But like nine times out of ten, I'm just finding people on the internet that I enjoy. And I'm like, hey, you wanna come on my on my podcast? Like you're a content creator. Why not? So And people say yes. Like we, we found yep. that too. It's so amazing. You're like just ask. Yeah. But the worst I can do is say I no. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I realize I started like a thought or right before this and I didn't finish. But I was gonna ask yeah. you about like your medication regimen. Yeah, like, sure. The one I listened to was when you're talking about the micro Oh, yeah, yeah. And oh my gosh, there's so much information. <laughs> well, and, and too, like, you know, it's not a magic pill or a guru, right. like you say in your, in the book, yeah. like it's about like the self-awareness. It's about figuring out what works and like breaking through some of the, like, if you have anxiety, you must take this, which right. hey, Lexapro is really important for a lot of people, whatevs. But also I like was so fascinated when you were talking <laughs> about your micro dosing. I was like, oh my gosh, we have to talk more about this. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, it could be later. a quick, a brief little yes, it, yes, thing, yes. but, um, I think that for everyone, like it's just individual. Like I was very, um, interested in taking medication for my anxiety and my depression. Yeah. And like, it got to the point where I was like, I definitely need to be taking something. I cannot function on my own. This is not good. And I went to a psychiatrist for the first, I'm also like, that's a big block for me is like asking for help and like seeking out a doctor. Like that's always like a big block for me. So I finally went and saw a psychiatrist and it happened to me at the same time I was like trying to conceive and they like couldn't give me like a definite this, like something that would be safe. And like when you start on medication, you, you have to like try it out and maybe try a new thing. And it's, it wasn't something I was comfortable doing while I was also trying to conceive. Like it gave me more anxiety thinking about it. So I never went on anything. And then I was like, yeah, not great during my pregnancy or after my pregnancy. Like, I definitely needed help. And during quarantine, I remember also thinking, like, I should take something for my depression. And I never, again, didn't want to see a psychiatrist virtually. So I never went after it. And then I started finding out about microdosing a lot on TikTok. And um, that's just, like, taking micro doses of psychedelics. And I figured out how to get it. And I tried it out. 
And it's been a big help. Like it really has stabilized me a lot and just kind of, yeah, it doesn't like take anything. It doesn't fix anything yeah. by any means, but it just like take took the edge off just enough so that I have like enough space to like witness all that that's going on and like find the trigger. It just like slows yeah. it all down so I can actually do something with the information that's flying at me. Um, but that helped. And I take CBD um, re- regularly every single day, multiple times a day. Um, all sorts, yeah, all sorts of different plant medicines have been super helpful. THC, cannabis, like all of it has been super helpful for me specifically. Um, and I have plenty of friends who take, you know, Lexapro and medicine and, um, plenty people who use like exercise or just meditate and like everyone has a different thing that helps them, um, changing their diet, like whatever. I've tried all sorts of different stuff. Um, but this has been the one that's consistently helped me the most for sure. Cool. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> I know. I might have to. Hey, send us your address, uh, okay. by the way. We'll send you some of our CBD that we have. Oh, too, we have awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to try it. Yeah, I will. I love CBD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I, you have so many great guests on your podcast. Right. Like We've actually learned a lot from you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, those two yeah, are so amazing. Oh, so cool. Well, okay, you're just a star. Like, <laughs> yeah. I wish we lived closer. Please, please, please look us up when you come. Oh, I will. I'll be in, te- I'll in... be letting you know when I'm in town. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It would be so fun to meet you or yeah. just at least help you find some cool, like, insider spots. Yeah, I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> Thanks so much for Thank joining you. us today. <laughs>